The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello. Welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You are, I am craving a donut, but this summer body isn't going to build itself, friend. Uh, today, I am joined by another special guest, the host of the Nick Hanley Show on ESPN 5, AM 590 in Omaha, Nick Hanley. Nick, thanks for being on the show, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great until you mentioned a donut. I'm with you, man. That, for a for a Monday morning, sounds amazing, and yet it's getting warmer out. So you know, we gotta we gotta look at ourselves and say, is this the best thing for us right now? But it sounds great. Yeah, you know, like a lot of people probably because it feels like everyone in my neighborhood this weekend was out kind of mowing the lawn, and like every this weekend, and like every every year, I'm like I'm getting one step closer uh, to being a get out here and feel good about having the shirt off. And so I did it in the backyard. Like I was out there shirtless. No one could see me. But then I'm like, well, to keep this momentum going, I can't really get this donut, right? Like I really wanted to do it this morning. And I had to drive by two places this morning uh, with donuts uh, to drop my dog off at the groomer. And so I had even more temptation, but I held strong. Like I, I did not do it, but the day is young. So let me get it straight. You're, you're in a neighborhood where it's encouraged that if you've done a good enough job in the off season to go shirtless while mowing the lawn, I mean, I still feel like if you're if you got a good physique, like you can go like maybe back to the shirt that didn't quite fit you very well and feel good about that. But just ripping the shirt off and saying, all right, let's go. I mean, oh, yeah. that's, we, that's encouraged. Oh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was part. it's funny because of all of the long list of reasons why I wanted to actually get in shape. But I started doing this like it's now been like three years ago now. Um, that was actually something that I had in mind. Like I legitimately did have in my mind that I just want to get out here, shirt off. You know, you see it like, you know, you're looking good out there. You feel good about yourself. You got that sweat. <laughs> going because it's hot and you're taking care of your yard like it just makes you feel good then you have of course the the post-mo beer like it, it, it makes you feel good like it, it's a whole vibe <laughs> so, so at the spring game if the mood struck you you would have been like you know what shirt off i'll throw a big n on the on the center or, or big herbie husker on the center and I'll display it loud and proud. I mean, that's the goal, huh? I mean, that is every single year. That That is the goal to get closer to that <laughs> moment where I can. Now, the thing is, is I, we've gotten to the point where I, like I said, I'm in the backyard. We're feeling good. It's fenced in. No one sees me. And we back out to a main road. So people do see me, but they're driving by fast and they don't, you know, they can't tell who I am. But the yeah. front yard, that's a whole different story because there's <laughs> always people out there. I'm not quite comfortable with that yet. But one day, maybe summer of uh 2023 we'll be we'll be feeling good about that okay so the backyard is the transitional phase the front yard's when you're ready to fully roll it out and say hey neighborhood look at me look what i've accomplished absolutely that that that, i mean otherwise i mean partially what are you doing all this for um i get up at like 4 50 every morning to get these workouts in um somebody else has got to see this besides me and kim so you know that's okay I love it. Great. I love it. It's it's great motivation. It's just a cool process. So like from the backyard to the front yard, it's uh, hey, whatever works. 
Yeah, I mean, as you can tell, I put a lot of thought into this. So, yeah, whatever works, we just kind of keep it moving. Uh, now, each week on the show, we, we start off with our segments uh, or have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. The first one is Coach Speak. Uh, well, we'll go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we'll give you the straight-up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Now, this week comes courtesy of Nebraska coach Scott Frost following the red-white spring game this week after the white team stormed back uh, and got a win in dramatic fashion. And that was led in part by uh, quarterback Heinrich Harburg, who tossed that game-winning touchdown. And Scott Frost was asked after the game um, about both Logan Smothers and Harburg's performances. And he said, quote, I'll have to watch the tape and see how they did today, but I know how they've been doing all spring. I'm pleased with where those guys are. They both have some growth left in front of them, but they both had really good springs. So, Nick, what does that mean to you? Well, in true Scott Frost fashion, and I think this is why, you know, a lot of his players like him, too. Even if there is some uncertainty, either about the question or about the position or the player that he's being asked about, and he's not quite confident to really – and I get it, too, not wanting to put too much praise on somebody because then, of course – People like us, we start to generate a lot of that conversation. And before you know it, the, the fans pick up on that. They start generating that conversation. So there was a little bit of encouragement at the beginning. But then there was a little bit of that weathering the expectations of, yeah, we still got a little bit of work to do. There's still some things we got to work on. And I, I still come away from that quote and the way Scott Frost has talked about the quarterbacks behind Adrian Martinez as, either if you want to maybe label it a work in progress or the jury is still out. And so that's kind of what I, I take away from that. I think that they're trying to, and I don't know about you, this is another way I sort of interpret that is the question that was asked last week before the spring game about, would you look in a transfer portal to provide some type of insurance policy at backup QB behind Adrian. And we know Adrian's missed time every year that he's been a starter that he said most likely no. And I, I, I believe him on that because it would take a very unique situation okay. in the transfer portal for a guy to say, oh, you got Adrian Martinez as your starter. I'm in the transfer portal because I want to start. But, hey, you know what, I'll come in because Adrian for the last three years has missed a game or two, and I'd be happy to play one or two games if called upon, but not really guaranteed that. that that's going to be rare. So I, I think if for some reason that, you know, that beautiful situation presented itself in the transfer portal and a guy that's, you know, somewhat familiar with the scheme that Matt Lubick and Scott Frost want to roll out, okay, fine. But I think this is his way of, showing commitment to the guys that they have in the room, trying to talk about the growth that they've made during the spring. But I think also letting folks know, we really don't know what to expect if Adrian goes down. Yeah. And I, yeah, I totally agree there. Cause I, I think that it's a tricky balance and something that I kind of thought about, even as, as you were just kind of talking there is that, there's been so much talk about whether or not they're going to go into the transfer portal or not. And it kind of struck me even before this, when Scott Frost kind of came out and said, you know, he said, most likely we won't, like you said, um, 
that's pretty much closing the door on it. Um, but that's also as as far as we ever really get Scott Frost on actually making declarations on these things, right? Normally, he's pretty vague about those, especially those sort of things about additions to the team and kind of their plan on what they're going to do. And so I was thinking to myself, like, why would why why did he do that? Like, what would be the motivation for him to be pretty definitive? Like, you always leave a little bit of the door open, right? Because you never want to completely right. block yourself in. Um, but pretty definitive on saying, no, we're not going to use um, one of our last two spots on a transfer quarterback. And he did it again. Where he doubled down for later in this um, press conference on Saturday about that, too. Because it was the last question he was asked. And so to me... Part of the reason why maybe he did do that is what you were saying about kind of building those guys up a little bit and that you do have to give them some confidence. And that's for a few reasons, right? One, you're probably going to need one of them <laughs> just based on history with Adrian yeah. Martinez. And even just like over the course of a season, a guy missing a series or a half or something like that, things just happen, right? And so it's very, very rare that you're going to get through an entire season and your, your starting quarterback is going to play every snap or every snap except for mop-up duty, right? And so because you're probably going to need them, continuing to keep their confidence high as they can hear all of the conversation about transfer portal quarterbacks and if you need to go and get one, I think that it's a tricky line that you have to walk if you're frost about that and making sure that you're kind of critical and telling those guys that, hey, you guys are really young players. We like you. You still got stuff to work on, but also building them up. Um, that's not an enviable spot to be in. Plus, I really do think it's going to like it's just the practical part of it that it's going to be very difficult to find the perfect situation to bring another quarterback in here. And knowing that, why even really rock the boat with kind of even flirting with doing it if you're Scott Frost? Because the chances of you finding that guy are low anyway. So you might as well just continue to pump up the guys that you already have here. You know, in a way, too, I think that final play of the spring game, it, it probably does allow him to to say that and to feel a little bit better about, you know, what they have still work to do. But, hey, you guys saw that play. I saw that play. You know, there's something maybe with Heinrich Harvard there being able to make a nice little throw to, to, to White Lever and kind of drop it right in there in the coverage. And, you know, you guys saw that. I did, too. This gives you a glimpse of what he can do. But also, as you would expect from an early enrollee, a guy that still has a lot of work to do, just a lot of work, not only with the playbook, but a lot of work as just a college student and a college student athlete, too. And then for Logan Smothers, watching his performance, you can see some things that, okay, they're, you know, watching him run every now and then. You're like, hey, vintage Luke McCaffrey a little bit. But then when you saw him throw the ball every now and then, you're like, hey, vintage Luke McCaffrey. <laughs> so, not necessarily a good way. So, I, I think there, it, it is kind of that, that slippery slope that I'm sure Mario Verduzco, Matt Lubick, and Scott Frost had that conversation of you, you take the, the good plays with the bad plays, then you chalk up the, the lack of experience, and then you have to trust what you have in that room from a coaching staff standpoint, say, can we develop them from the time we have right now? And they got two weeks off before they kind of get back into summer conditioning and summer workouts where the coaches don't have any involvement, but these guys can still improve on their game. You know, what kind of realistic improvement can those guys make? And, and I, I do think as much as we focus so much in on the quarterback, it's usually about the starter. I, I think it is going to be very interesting 
when we get into that that first week leading into that late August game against Illinois on the depth chart on who is actually backing up Adrian Martinez, because you could very well see that person as early as that first game if something happens to Adrian. So I feel like they and maybe maybe you have a different different interpretation of this. I get the feeling that both Heinrich Harburg and Logan Smothers are kind of on equal footing when it comes to who will ultimately back up Adrian, assuming that they don't get anybody for the transfer portal. And I think that that's kind of interesting given the fact that, you know, Logan Smothers, there was a lot of, you know, bright shining light on him, on his future, but in comes Heinrich Harburg. I don't know whether to say that's more of a knock on Logan Smothers or that's just more of a praise on Heinrich Harburg. You know what's what's tough about that? And I think that we're, first of all, I think we're heading towards that first depth chart that you mentioned being an or. Like, the patent or uh, on there, which, you know, says something but doesn't. But I also think in the race, I would, man, right now, right this second, I would probably say it smothers with the caveat that I think, I actually, I think that when the season starts, it will be Harburg. But the thing is, is that, and I don't think that it, I don't know if it necessarily says more about Smothers or more about Harburg, but I think it does say something about the the advantage that Smothers did not get being a year ahead of Harburg, right? Right. And, that, and it's Good something point. that we actually talked to Logan about after the spring game. We actually talked to all of the quarterbacks, actually, I heard from them in various capacities after that game. And one thing that we asked him about, Logan, was, hey, what was it kind of like for you over the last year? Because remember, he early enrolled last year, got winter conditioning, and then got, what was it, two practices, and then everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And then now it's kind yeah. of, you're not for the longest time. Because remember, he went, they went home. And he mentioned that. And I had actually kind of totally forgotten that because so much, it feels like a lot of time has passed. Um, and it's been 10 years, but then on the other hand, it's just been the one, right? Um, but a lot has happened. But like, I remember now after he said that, um, all of those guys went home. Like he drove back down to Alabama um, and spent some time down there. And so he was away from the team. And, you know, we have so much going on in the world and you're not really focusing on football and you wouldn't blame somebody um, right. right then. So the typical advantage that he would have gotten from being on campus and in the offense a year earlier than Harvard um, I basically feel like those guys were almost on equal footing when Harburg arrived this January which is unfortunate for Logan Smothers but there's nothing that he can do um, about that situation and it's funny too because you mentioned something that uh, me and Derek Peterson of Hale Varsity talked about over the weekend while sitting up at, at the spring game when you see Logan Smothers out there and it's kind of unfair to him, you do think of Luke McCaffrey in a lot of different ways. When you see him run, you're like, man, okay, this is a small ish quarterback that could stand to put some size on, but boy, is he quick and fast. And like, he's going to be kind of devastating in the QB run game. And then you see him throw and you're like, Oh, I'm seeing shades of what we saw with Luke McCaffrey, (laughs) except for the one thing I would add. And we saw this in both the um, open practice and in the spring game is that he's prone to getting hot, right? Like he got hot in that game in the spring game Mm -hmm. in the second half. 
and completed um, quite a few passes in a row and did a really nice job. Um, it, it feels like it goes back to something that I remember Scott Frost saying earlier in spring. Remember when he said the thing about, you know, Mario Verduzco is working on his stroke and they're trying to clean that up and he throws the ball really well when he's not thinking about that and he's just letting it rip. It kind of felt like that to me where he got comfortable during the game and he kind of got it rolling. But you also can expect that to be up and down with him being such a young quarterback. Yeah, and, you know, it is funny that we think about why, you know, both these quarterbacks, and we're just assuming, I mean, the, the conversation could be a completely different one amongst the coach and staff on who is where in their development. And, and, and Logan Smothers might be miles ahead of Heinrich Harburg as far as we know. You know, we're, we're basing this off of the limited action that we saw, and this is where I, I totally think people need to, to listen to Frost and the coaching staff when they say, hey, that's more of a showcase. We know what we've seen the entire spring. That, to me, that's not coach speak. To me, that's the truth. I mean, and I know every coach in America is going to say that too, but it is actually the truth. They're seeing all these workouts. They're going through film session as well. They're doing so much evaluation that, you know, in our expert analysis, we've seen maybe three hours of these guys total uh, in a matter of several hours that these guys have been able to really look at. But I think that it's easy to forget that the fact that when the fall started and you've got reps being divided up, those are being divided between Adrian and Luke, not Adrian, Luke and Logan. So there was no opportunity for him to really get any type of significant reps that would probably give him a solid leg up in any type of quarterback competition, whether it's for a starting spot or a backup spot. And, you know, the other thing it makes me appreciate too, and Greg, you and I have talked about this on my show. Uh, you know, you hear this from the fans. I hear this from the fans. When, when Adrian has a tough one, my goodness, can we at least now sit back and be thankful that Adrian is still a Husker and that he didn't go the transfer route or he didn't decide to, to go elsewhere? Because if Adrian's not there, and again, this is nothing against Logan Smothers or Heinrich Harburg. There's just a, a big time gap between the overall experience that they have and what is a pretty complicated offense that if you don't have Adrian, that's your quarterback situation going into the fall. That's not ideal. So if there's anything to appreciate the presence of old 2 a.m., it's the fact that he's a three-year starter. He's there. I mean, we can get into the whole like body transformation and how Adrian looked, but the fact that he's there brings three years of experience. I think you got to feel really good that he is QB1 going into the fall. Yeah, I definitely think that you feel good about that. And I do think that he looked good. I, I think that – and it, it's funny because it almost goes under the radar a little bit and kind of, you know, we st we've talked the majority of this time about the backup quarterbacks instead of the starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, and so I, we're guilty of it too, I guess. And so – but it did go under the radar, um, I thought, of – how I think mostly sharp that he looked. I mean, he had the one weird play that I'm still kind of confused on about where he threw the ball out of bounds and they ruled that a nine yard loss. Like I'm still confused on how that happened. It didn't look backwards to me. Maybe I just can't see. That's totally plausible. Uh, but that play was weird. And there was a couple of like off the back foot throws, but you're also always going to have a little bit of those throws just because of the way that he plays and improvises. You're not going to get those kind of spectacular plays without getting some of those back foot throws as right. well you're gonna just have to have a trade-off on that um it was a 
little weird with all of the quarterbacks to see them uh, have so much QB run game uh, where they're calling their pet plays of that design QB run where the guard loops around or the tackle loops around and the quarterback follows. That was weird to see, especially when you're tagging off. Um, and so, that, I mean, he looked good, though, and I think he does look trimmed up. Like, I, I will say mm-hmm. that. Um, and he's talked about that throughout the spring, too. Um, but I want to stick with quarterbacks and I'm going to shift gears here a little bit because if, if you guys don't know and you aren't familiar with Nick Hanley, Nick Hanley is a huge Bears fan, um, the same that I am. And, and I see the smile coming over his face. He knows where I'm going here. Um, we've got to talk about this. We, I feel like I'm always yeah. talking about the Bears on this podcast when things go horribly wrong. Um, and so I finally have a moment of excitement and celebration. Um, is it, if you didn't know, after four years after trading for Mitchell Trubisky uh, in an experiment that definitely fizzled out, the Bears pulled off a, a nice move on Thursday night, the NFL draft, uh, when they traded up nine spots with the New York Giants to take Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields with the 11th overall pick. Let's break that down. It doesn't matter what the Bears gave up. I don't really care. You and I actually talked about that offline. Like, I don't care about what they gave up. The Bears have Mm -hmm. Justin Fields. They have their potential franchise quarterback. I am very excited. I know you are very excited. Were you – I'll start here. Were you surprised that this move happened, that the Bears pulled this off? 100%. 100% surprised. And for two reasons. A, let's go with the obvious, and we'll call it the low-hanging fruit. It's the – the Bears and Ryan Pace and what they draft. He has no problem moving up in the draft. It's, right. it's the fact of identifying the right person to move up in the draft for. And I, there's one other uh, selection that he moved up that I think uh, we, we got to also mention. But moving up in the draft and finding somebody that's going to, you know, be the guy. He, you know, clearly botched that in 2017, and he's got other examples of that paying a king's ransom for something that may be a little bit more broken down, a la Jimmy Graham last year, too, and even paying Andy Dalton $10 million. I like Andy Dalton, but for $10 million, when you could probably get him for 4 or $5 million if you just wait. So, look, he's got that, that reputation. So, yes, I was very surprised. Um, when I knew they moved up, I'm still thinking to myself, and I wouldn't have hated <laughs> Mac Jones. I wouldn't have hated that at all, okay. but I'm thinking it's going to be Mac Jones or Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask, anybody thought, not named. I thought the same thing. People. I thought the same thing. <laughs> like it, I was so worried <laughs> when I saw that happen. My first thought, of course, was, oh my God, they're going to get Justin Fields because I like had a group chat going and I was yep. telling my dad and stuff. And I was like, man, I'm, just, I'm hoping that they find a way to get him. I think as he's starting to fall, I'm like, okay, they might be able to do this. The trade happens and I go, It'll be our luck that they take Mac Jones or somebody. I would have hated the Mac Jones pick, <laughs> um, especially and mostly because Justin Field was still on the board and I wanted him to get him. But yeah, right. I'm with you. That panic definitely set in <laughs> in that moment too. Well, and the second part that was so surprising is the fact that Justin Fields indeed did fall out of the you know the top ten picks. You know, to me that was surprising. So then I'm thinking to myself, all right, this makes the most sense. Will they actually do it? And to kind of lay the, the the groundwork of what was going on in my house, we were just getting ready to to put my six month old into the bath. We got a little routine before he goes to bed, and so I had just got him out of his diaper when they made the trade. When the trade was announced, <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what's going on?" And, and my wife, who is actually from Illinois, she's a also a long suffering Bears fan. She said the exact same thing you did too, though. I go, "Oh my god, they're going to get Justin Fields. Oh my god, they're going to get Justin Fields." And she goes you think they're really going to do that? I'm like, that's fair. And and so she was kind of the voice of reason. So 
I felt, Greg, I don't know about you, that that selection took like another half hour from the time that the trade was announced to when they officially announced it because I'm sitting there holding my naked son. I need to get the kid in freaking warm water. It's so well, I'm just, I, I'm glued to the TV. So it's my wife, my son is in my arms and we're just watching it. And as soon as they say Justin Fields, I mean, I was as giddy as all could be. I couldn't believe it. I, I just could not believe it. And look, we know there's a bust rate with starting quarterbacks. There's a bust rate with first rounders that everybody has to talk about. The bottom line is in two years from now, Greg, if you and I are talking about, man, I cannot believe Justin Fields did not work out. I will still never look back and say what Ryan Pace or what the Chicago did was the wrong thing to do. I won't have that revisionist history because unlike Mitchell Trubisky, where he had 13 starts, you had a Sun Bowl appearance and a guy that was largely moved up the draft board and not just by Chicago to the, to their defense, but moved up the draft board because of his off season workouts. And those guys, you know, I mean, even Blake Bortles was one of those guys, in my opinion, that got a lot of stock because of the off season workouts. When they moved up to get him, it was weird. It was surprising. It was one of those things where you're like, well, I I mean, I I hope it works, but I, I just don't feel great about this given the competition. This to me feels more like Deshaun Watson. This to me feels like, First of all, a guy that's physically good, mentally, what he has between his ears, I think, is as sharp as ever. In fact, even last year, I remember saying, boy, if the Bears when – the, remember when the Bears lost to the Lions in that dramatic oh, yeah, fashion we this year? so mad. <laughs> I was like, here comes the tank. They're going to yeah. get low enough to get Justin Fields. He was always the guy that I wanted, and this is a guy that's played in big games. He's played in that big-time conference for two years, and all he's done is impress his accuracy. There's so much there to like. This is so much different than the Mitchell Trubisky selection. So, yeah, I'm stunned, but I am as equally excited as I was stunned. Yeah, it's it's weird. I'm with you on the whole, like, workout warrior, and that's how you come up the draft stock thing. Like, because I never really liked that either. Um, and it's something that I think that and – and it happens every year. It, and it happens every year to multiple teams. There's always someone that – or two that rises up draft boards because they were great in the in – the, between the time that their college yeah. season ended and the NFL draft happens. They somehow become way better. Um, except for this time we got the inverse of that with Justin Fields where somehow – he went from a guy that, if you think about it, and this goes, really goes back to kind of uh, my area of expertise in recruiting, where he was one and two neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence since they were seniors in high school, right? Like these guys are linked and they were, they were in the same recruiting class. They were number one and number two uh, coming out of high school when Justin Fields then went to Georgia. And obviously Trevor Lawrence goes to Clemson um, coming out of high school before he lands at Ohio State. We still, and I tweeted this out, we still don't talk enough about Kirby Smart um, letting Justin Fields go so that he could run Jake Fromm out there. And I will forever be convinced that that cost Georgia a national championship. Um, we, I, I don't agree. understand why we don't talk about that more, but that's besides the point. Um, and so then Justin Fields has a great career at Ohio State. He not only did he win a lot of conference games and what I still maintain is the best conference in America, you also saw him in college football play- playoff games go up against Alabama's defense, other really good defense, Clemson, um, and do really well. Those things usually help propel quarterbacks to higher levels. Like, Because remember, that was one of the things yeah. you know, Deshaun Watson didn't go as high as he should have. That was one of, that's one of the things that people now point to and say, this is why he should have went higher is because we should have known because he lit up Alabama's defense. 
Justin Fields, I feel like you kind of might have that same thing. Um, and I, I'm glad that you brought up kind of the intangibles and the things that the mental side of things with Fields, which I don't think gets enough credit as a part of why he's so good, because yes, he's very athletic and he has a very strong arm, but he's also really accurate and he processes really well. And there's a lot of little things in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you saw the stuff like the breakdown from Matt Bowen um, that he did w- with Justin Fields. If you haven't, I'll send it to you. I'll put it in the show notes um, so that you guys can see it too, where he did a really nice deal where he was breaking down some tape of fields and how he climbs the pocket, little things, and how he kind of um, slide steps and all of that to, to be able to change throwing windows um, and then throws guys open. Like it was really nice. Like there's a lot of little things to like about the way that he plays and all of that. Uh, I heard some interviews with him afterwards, after he got picked. Um, and he basically he said, listen, I believe in myself. I think that I could be a franchise quarterback. He's not running from the whole, hey, we've got a real weird, bad quarterback history around here. I think that he's already kind of embracing that. Um, there were a lot of jokes flying about he's already like the fifth best quarterback in franchise history. Um, sadly, if we go beyond the list, it might be in the running. Um, but it was a great, great day for Bears. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And and that's the thing about Justin is you, you bring up, you know, the processing. And the thing I, I like about Justin Fields when I watch him, I, I'm a big body language guy, and he's just grounded. The guy is a smooth, just even keel customer. He, he's a guy that I don't think lets the moment get too big for him or too low for him. And that's what you wanted. And kind of going back to what you're referencing with the, the, the pressure of trying to be the first franchise quarterback since Sid frickin' Luckman in 1950. <laughs> like, there, there's pressure there. But I love what his response was when asked about the Mitchell Trubisky's, the Jay Cutler's, the guys that have come before him. And he said, other than us playing for the same organization, they've got nothing to do with me. And that's, you know, of no disrespect, but I'm, I'm my own person. I trust in what I do. And this is a guy who is relentless in his pursuit to get better at the position every day. I mean, the guy turned freaking vegan. Do you know how much commitment that takes to go vegan? And, you know, it's so he's just he's dedicated and that's the thing and this is the one thing i will say about mitchell trubisky for all of his faults it, it was never a lack of effort for him or no, lack no, of no. trying or wanting to get better i just think there are certain things that he just doesn't possess as, as a big time quarterback and you know and this is the one thing that i always talk about with the draft when we have so much time between the end of the regular season and the super bowl to the draft is we can talk ourselves into people and out of people and remember the same conversation about Deshaun Watson were pretty much the same for Justin Fields. And it's like you start looking past what's in your face and in front of your face and saying, well, the guys played huge on big time stages. That should account for something, something very big. Yeah, but he's, you know, but sometimes he, he can't get beyond that first receiver or, boy, he was surrounded with so much talent. He's not going to have that at the next well, what do you think is on even the very worst rosters in the NFL are pretty damn good skilled players. So don't give me this. Well, his team was so much better in college and he's just not going to have that same kind of luxury. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll see about that. Allen Robinson's uh, you're not going to find everywhere. Darnell Mooney's are not all over the, the college landscape either. So I think, the biggest question is going to be how do they bring him along? You know, as yeah. long as he, if he starts game one 
but he wasn't forced into it. I'm fine with that. But if he waits till, you know, say six, seven, eight games down the road, and then he comes in, but the bottom line is he gives them the reason to start, not the fact that Andy Dalton gives them the reason to start. Kind of like Mike Glennon and Trubisky were. Trubisky wasn't the best guy in the room at the time, but Glennon was so bad that they had to change it up. You can't get into that situation where Dalton is just so bad. They're like, well, we got to start fields ready or not. Here he comes. It's got to be a situation where everybody in that building knows Justin Fields got it. He's the better guy, and now it's time, as opposed to Andy Dalton is just so bad, we need something else. Yeah, absolutely. And I really – it's funny. I got to go back and forth on how I prefer teams to develop quarterbacks like that, and I kind of think that they're – it's a unique situation in each um, position, like where sometimes I think it's right for a guy to go Peyton Manning style and just start right away day one. Um, sometimes I think that it makes sense to do kind of what the what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. Um, it, it just kind of depends. And you've seen success and you've seen failures either way. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to kind of know which one of those is the right way to go. But now I wonder, considering one of the big storylines of the draft this year was kind of the um, reuniting with quarterbacks and receivers. There are quarterbacts and running backs in the case of Lawrence and Travis Etienne um, down in Jacksonville. Like, does this mean that there's another Buckeye coming next year? Are the, Hus- are the Huskers, are the Bears going to take uh, Chris Olave next year? Is that what's going to happen? Which would wouldn't hate that, would it? Yeah, I was saying, actually, now that I, I, I say that, it would be the worst thing in the world. I, you know what? What? And that's that's kind of the great thing too. And this is again how I think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, first of all, saved their job, and I think they yeah. they made a, a significant step in doing so last Thursday night. But also now being able, the one thing that I, I don't feel Nagy did with Trubisky is he dismissed him. I think immediately, and I think he just basically said, well. I'm going to give him one year to see if he can figure out my system. Okay, I don't think he can do it. Well, I'm not going to adjust my system to Trubisky. I need him to adjust to mine. And if he can't, then we need to bring in someone who can't. What he needs to do is, again, work to Justin Fields' strength. Even if all those strengths are not part of his offense, this is the guy you have so much ability and talent and excitement for this type of player that you have to make sure that it works. And so communicating them, talking about not only what parts of the offense does he like and that work for him and what does he not like as much, but also when it comes to personnel. This is the one thing that maybe the Green Bay Packers are now kind of uh, regretting a little bit, communicating with your guy, making sure there's open dialogue, not saying, hey, you get the final say, but right. hey, we want your input. If, if we're looking at this receiver or this tight end or you know this center even, you know, are there guys that you like, too, that maybe we should be talking to? Like, I, I hope it does get to that point where there is that open dialogue, because if this thing doesn't work, you don't want to look back and say, well, the coaching staff should have done this or they should have done this or they should have done this. You want to make sure that everything that can be done is being done for this thing to be a home run, a grand slam for Chicago. Because, uh, again, I mean, Ryan Pace, it's been a very it's been a very murky uh, history with when it comes to his drafting. And- yeah, and you know, I mean, you think about the second round too. What Ryan Pace did that is something else that I didn't see coming. I saw Chicago moving on the second round. I'm like, okay, now we're going to get a vintage Ryan Pace, and he gets Kevin Jenkins, who has a first round grade that was an eighty five percent from all draft experts to be a first round guy. So they move up because they're like, hey, we can get this guy. In many mock drafts had Chicago standing pat at number 20 and getting Tevin Jenkins. So they get him in the second round. You get rounds one and two, major needed offensive tackle, major needed quarterback, and they check boxes after that too. But, I mean, 
I feel so weird on this Monday, Greg. I still have my <laughs> Chicago Bears flag hanging out in the front yard. I like but it. I feel like so weird saying, I actually love this draft. And how many times could we say that about this particular uh, regime at Hallis Hall? Yeah, definitely not very often. Um, hopefully all of our excitement and faith, uh, well, I wouldn't say renewed faith. I would say uh, um, we're giving them a little bit of faith on this current regime um, after this is warranted. Um, I, can't, I can't wait now. We'll see. I don't know now if I want to wait until Fields' first preseason game or prior to that to get the jersey. We'll see how that goes. Um, but every week we end the show with, with my favorite segment um, called Put Them On Blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something they did or said put them on blast i'm going to go first um today i'm actually gonna we're gonna stick with the nfl draft i'm gonna go with the guy that proposed to his girlfriend at the nfl draft after announcing the chiefs pick i don't know if you guys saw this essentially they did this thing and they've been doing this it feels like for a few years now where they had you start to after you get into the rounds here you start to have a couple of gimmicks and one of them usually is, is you have fans um come on and kind of announce the pick which is a really nice move um and i'm sure really exciting mm. for those fans this particular fan decided to take this even further and make it a special moment um, by going ahead and proposing to his girlfriend um, after that moment. The reason, even though this is a happy, joyous moment for them, congratulations, um, she did say yes. The reason I'm putting them on blast is, fellas, we've got to stop doing this. Like I did, uh, so I've, ta I've talked to every woman that I've talked to about this since then um, and saying, hey, was this a good idea? Was this a good look? None of them have said that this was a good look and that this is a good idea. I, I am curious if you think that your wife would, would think that it's a good idea, Nick, but I have got to put this guy on blast uh, just for doing this. It worked out for you, but how many times on Twitter do we see viral videos of uh, that not quite working out for somebody? Yeah. Uh, so for that reason, again, congratulations. But I got to put you on blast for even going there. Stop it, fellas, with the public sports-related proposals. Is that kind of even go into the whole like it, it proposing at like your favorite football teams games? Like I get it. If like you're too, if maybe that's how you met or something like yeah. that, then there's significance there and, and that might be part of your story. But I don't know about you, but the whole proposing at a sporting event thing. No, that would be cool for you, but I hope yeah. it's just, just as cool for her. Right. I don't think that, yeah, I'm with you. The, the only exception there is if, like, that is, like, part of their story, and that's how they met. They met at a Chiefs game at the concession stand, yeah. um, and they locked eyes, and he just knew that she was the one. Like, if that was the case, then maybe I kind of take this back, but probably not. Um, but I know that that would not have gone well for me. Like, that was, like, any sporting, yeah. because it's really actually funny as, as the working in sports and as much sports as I watch, my wife is a complete opposite. Like, she could care less. Like, like, in fact, the thing that she cares most about is, like, what's happening behind the scenes with the teams. Yeah. Um, like, she doesn't care at all about the actual game. So if I had, like, been at Staples Center where the Lakers play and, like, proposed her there, I just don't think that would have went well for me. All right, for me, okay, so I was going to go with, uh, and I know it's very popular on this show to go after <laughs> the no, they extended Mark Emmert, and they did so on a news dump Tuesday night. We, we you know, again – Low hanging fruit. Don't even need to go there. I think it speaks for itself. I, I'm gonna. This is like my moment of rage here. So yep. two weeks ago, going to state college uh, for Nebraska baseball, and I was. I wouldn't say I was running late to my flight at Epley, but I was. I was getting a bit uncomfortable. Let's just say, and 
it was during a day where travel is heavy. So the parking garage was extremely full. So not one, but I kid you not, Greg, three, three, I would say mid-sized to large trucks. Uh, you know, I think, I think two of them were F-150s. One was maybe a Dodge Ram. And guys, if you own these trucks, tell, I'm just telling you, the one space that is there for you to park in, it's just one space. Okay, just because you have a truck, you do not get two spaces. It, it's, it, I mean, that's just decent society. It's how it works. It's one thing to see one person do it. There's, there's always a jack wagon amongst the group, right? Greg, to see three, like, I'm like, oh, there's a space. No, there's not, because that guy parked smack dab over the middle of the line. And anybody who's been to the Epley Airfield, Epley Airport parking garage, those are not large spots to begin with. No. So, gosh, you are doing everyone a big disservice. If I had more time, I was thinking about doing something to those cars. I would not have been proud of it. Well, maybe not. Maybe later when I got on the plane, I might have been proud of it. I would have been very proud of it. Not one, but three oversized trucks all parking over the middle of the damn designated parking area. So people like me who are trying to frantically find a spot have to keep moving up the line and try to find something else. Guys, stay within the lines. I don't care how big your car is. They measured them properly for the biggest cars stay within your line. Otherwise, you might come back to your car with, you know, a, a different paint job or maybe a tire might be a little bit lower than it was when you got in there. Okay. <laughs> I love it. And it's been so fun. And I, I was saying this since I kind of switched the format of the show up and I've had the kind of my rotation of guests, finding out who you guys put on blast every week, because we did not talk about these beforehand, has really been a joy in my week each time. That was a classic parking rant and something that everyone has related to. Now, it's funny because someone will email the show uh, at straightupbreakdown at gmail.com uh, or at hillvarsity.com and will say, you know, I'm that guy. But probably not because they probably <laughs> won't admit it, right? And it's funny because we have all seen that. Um, but it feels mm -hmm. like no one wants to admit that they're that guy. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But everyone has experienced that at some point, and it's extremely. If someone emails you, you send them my way, and I'd I'd like to have a talk with him. I just want to know what's going through his head on why he feels like he need or he or she feels like they need to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would love to know. So maybe, yeah, maybe if we if we can find it, we'll, I'll keep you anonymous for the next one. You email yep. me at straightupbreakdownhailvarsity.com. If you are that guy or gal that likes to park your, your oversized truck in the middle uh, of a parking spot. But hey, that'll do it for today's show. It's been a fun one. Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and no one wants that. Uh, make sure that you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill varsity network the mind your own podcast the varsity club the nebraska preps post game show and the hill varsity radio show also make sure you're checking out the hill varsity youtube page i'll be back on there uh, early this week with another recruiting video of the week um, from your questions i will catch you next week a Media production.